Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran jazz organist Mitch Town. He opened up at length about his new 2023 CD, SRT, Vanguards of Groove. On SRT's debut album, it is the work of three seasoned and accomplished pros who are still hungry. It's an all-instrumental outing, as tight, funky, and thunderously rocking as it is warm and nuanced. Featuring the legendary John J.R. Robinson, known as the most recorded drummer of all time, working with legends like Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, and Madonna, along with many more. We get into this project, Mitch's life, and so much more. Enjoy the interview. Hey, man. Hey, it's great to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out to the program. I appreciate it. Oh, you bet. Glad, glad to do it. Before we get into SRT, Vanguards of Group, I want to know, you know, we all lived through quite a thing with COVID for the last three years, and I'm wondering yeah. how you survive. how did you survive it, and how has it changed the way that you do things now? Well, you know, it's funny you're asking that, especially because I can't talk about that without talking about SRT, because uh, it was because of pandemic that uh, this band got formed basically. Um, a couple years before that, around 2018, I had met J.R. Robinson because he, uh, he had come to Omaha to perform a concert with David Foster because J.R. tours with David. And uh, I just happened to meet him. It wasn't like you know anything I set out to do. I didn't even know J.R. was on that show when I went, but he was there and I had an opportunity to speak to him. And we're both from Iowa, so we sort of bonded over that. And JR is just, just a great guy. He's just really nice, you know. And uh, we talked maybe for five minutes. And he gave me his business card. And I really don't know why. You know, I think he was just being nice, you know, because why would, you know, what, what reason would I have to ever call the most recorded drummer of all time, you know, living in Omaha, and he's in L.A., you know. But I thought it was really cool. You know, I, I had J.R. Robinson's business card, and I, I, uh, I used it as a, as a bookmark for the next couple of years. You know, so whenever I'd read a book, I'm like, hey, you know, J.R. Robinson's card. So um, uh, there's a great jazz club in Omaha called The Jewel. And in 2019, The Jewel opened up, and I was doing a lot of shows there. And uh, the, the management had sort of partnered with me to bring in some great artists, you know. So I kind of spent a lot of 2019 playing with some really great musicians based in other parts of the U.S., especially New York City, people like Joel Fromm and Jerry uh, Berganzi and Matt Wilson and Dan Wilson and Troy Roberts, some of the real greats in the business. And so things were going really well with that. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and everything shuts down and my career grinds to a halt as everyone's did. So during the pandemic, you know, uh, I knew this about myself, but it really became apparent because as the pandemic started, I was just like everybody else. I was like, yeah, you know, now I'm going to have time to really work on some stuff. And, you know, I can now instead of practicing a bunch of music for upcoming gigs, I can really work on some things I wanted to get my playing and all that. None of that happened. You know, I think everybody thought, oh, I'm going to write the novel I've always wanted to write or do that kind of thing. No, I didn't practice near as much as I thought I was going to because, like everybody, I was depressed. You know, I think a lot of people dealt with this depression and this, you know, not knowing what was coming next. And there were times when I was like, is my career over? Is this it? You know, did I reach this certain level? And then that's the end, right? And I know that that's what, you know, everybody was dealing with that. Nobody knew what was going to happen. 
So as the months wore on, the months of pandemic wore on, um, what I realized about myself as a musician is that I need things to look forward to. I am, I'm driven by the opportunity to play with other musicians. I am not a solo artist. You know, I get very excited when I'm, when I have an upcoming gig with somebody and they send me the music to learn for it. And I, I love to prepare. I love to look forward to things. And of course with pandemic, I have nothing to look forward to. So around about September of that year, uh, I was watching, I watched the Quincy Jones documentary on Netflix and JR is in it. Because Jr. was Quincy's go-to guy for the longest time. You know, he's played on all, all the Michael Jackson stuff. Uh, you know, Quincy's solo records. You know, The Dude, things like that. Jr.'s the drummer on Off the Wall and on most of the songs on Bad. You know, and so Jr.'s in that documentary talking about Quincy. And I'm like, oh wow, cool. There's Jr. You know, I've got his business card. Couple weeks later, I watched the David Foster documentary that was on Netflix. Jr.'s in that. And something about that just sort of, you know, clicked in my brain a little bit. And I started thinking that, okay, ideally the world is going to open up again. And I need to have something to look forward to. I need to have something, at least a possibility in the works, right? Maybe, maybe it wouldn't come together, but maybe something could. So I came up with this idea that since JR is from Iowa. He's from about an hour and a half from Omaha, a town called Creston. And I'm from Iowa, a little town right outside of Omaha called uh, Missouri Valley. And I thought, okay, maybe JR still has some family back here. Maybe he'd come to the area. What if I put together a show at the Jewel, a tribute to J.R. Robinson featuring J.R. Robinson? And we do a bunch of the hits that he was the drummer on, that he helped make famous, you know. And, you know, Omaha has a really great group of musicians. And I knew I could put together a killer band to execute these songs. And I thought to myself, you know, what's, what's the worst he can say? The worst he can say is no, or he never gets back to me. You know, I, 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 there's, I had to take a shot at this. You know, I felt like, I, you know, with everything with the pandemic and also just, you know, feeling like, you know, we're all getting older. It's like you can't wait for breaks. You sometimes have to make them yourself or at least try. So I wrote up an email and I wrote up an email pitch and I said, I'm sure you don't remember meeting me, but, you know, I met you in Omaha. Believe it or not, I can put together a crack band here in Omaha to pull off these songs. I want to do a tribute to you. I've got a singer who can sing with me and Shaka Khan, you know, and I think this would be a really cool thing. Let me know if you're interested. And he eventually got back to me, you know, and he, I always joke that he got back to me with the shortest email ever. He's like, I like this idea. We have to wait for a vaccine. Hit me up in four months. And I was like, will do, you know. So about four months later, you know, I reached out once the vaccine started to roll out and, we spent kind of we spent most of 2021 kind of talking about it and kind of planning it, trying to figure out when to do it, and uh, we eventually did that show in December of 2021 at the Jewel. We packed the place. 
every musician that I hired knocked it out of the park. I mean, I was so proud of everybody, and it just it just went off so well. Uh, the funny thing about you know when I told him I said I I have a singer who can sing Whitney and Chaka, that was the one thing where where he was like really. I was like, trust me. And this girl named Allison Nash, who now lives in Florida, but she lived here at the time. She's one of the greatest singers I've ever played with. And she just knocked it out of the park. I mean, you know, when she did I Will Always Love You, the crowd was literally in tears. You know, I mean, it was just, it was a, a really fabulous night, one of the best shows of my career. And J.R. was really happy. And he wanted to take that band on the road. He wanted to go do this in other places. Well, that's a six-piece group, and that's kind of pricey. You know, it's hard to take a six-piece out and make any money. Uh, it's, it's an expensive proposition. So in the meantime, you know, he and I had become friends, pretty good, pretty close. We texted each other a lot. And uh, one day I just said, hey, did you ever think about recording, do you ever want to record an organ trio? And he said, yeah, I've thought about it. And I said, I texted him back, well, I know an organ player. He wrote back, I know a drummer. And so that was the first seed of what became SRT. And so, of course, the next thing was if it's going to be a trio, we have to find a third. So we started talking about guitar players. And uh, JR said, I've got the guy. He's uh, this younger player who is the top session call guy in L.A. right now. His name is Andrew Sinewick, and he and Andrew had just done a session. They did a new version of the song Staying Alive by the Bee Gees for the Bullet Train soundtrack, the movie with Brad Pitt that came out last year, and that's the lead song on it. That's the song that's in the trailer. It's J.R. and Andrew playing Staying Alive with, uh, with, 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 with the lyrics in Japanese. And so... Uh, he's like, I think this is the guy we, we, we need to approach him. I'm like, great. You know, we approached Andrew and he was into it. And, uh, so we just started writing songs in, this is in 2022. We started writing songs for two or three months. And then in July of 2022, we went into LAFX recording studio out in, uh, out in LA and we recorded the record the old fashioned way. Just three guys in a studio and recorded it in two days. Wow. That's an amazing backstory. What a wonderful, um, yeah. wonderful story. What are you, what are you hoping the listener gets from this album? I hope they enjoy it. I think, you know, we didn't make a traditional, cause you know, we didn't make a traditional organ trio record. There's not a lot of, you know, there's, there's like one straight ahead swing tune on it, but it's not a lot of, you know, what we call splang a dang. It's, it's a wide variety, man. You know, we, we, all three of us are coming from different angles musically, but yet similar angles. So there's some funky things on it. Uh, there's a, there's, there's one tune, like the lead tune off the record is called Tal Shia. And that's an absolute shredder. You know, it's, that's, it's totally different than anything I've ever done in an organ trio setting. It's, it's, it's what I consider a rock shredder, you know, but like I said, there's, there's some funky things on it. There's, there's a couple ballads. Andrew wrote this beautiful ballad named Long Road, which is just, it's just one of the nicest pieces of music I've ever played. And that's a big feature of all of our live shows. We always play Long Road because it's just so great. I tell you, I can't say enough about Andrew. You know, he is, to be a session player, you have to be extremely versatile. And Andrew 
Andrew can play any style, you know, authentically. You know, he's not just faking it. Like when we do a, like a funk tune, he sounds like the the meters, you know, and when we do a straight ahead tune, he sounds like Wes, you know, and when we do a shredding tune, he, he just shreds naturally, you know. I mean, he's one of those guys that can just do anything, but he's got his own personality in, in his playing too, you know. So that's what's – it's just – and, of course, J.R. is J.R. Robinson. I mean, that guy. What's great about this group uh, for him, I think, is that, you know, J.R. is known as, as you know, he's the clock, man. He's – if you listen to his playing on any of those, you know, songs that, that he made famous, you know, Rock With You and, uh, you know, uh, Higher Love by Steve Winwood and All Night Long by Lionel Richie. I mean, everything is just locked in so solid. His groove is just impeccable. And, you know, he's being a session drummer. He's just laying it down. But JR has tons of chops that he doesn't always get to utilize. So this is a great band for him to get to stretch out. And, uh, you know, he's a well-known drummer, but, man, people come out and they're like, whoa, I didn't know you you did that thing. You know, he's got all these chops. So it's really a fantastic way for him to get to stretch. Uh, you know, like I said, stylistically, it's kind of all around. So I think there's something on the record for most listeners. So how did this journey begin for you? How did you get into the jazz? Um, I, I think like most people who end up playing organ, uh, I started off as a piano player. You know, I, uh, I grew up in a small town in Iowa, which uh, of about, you know, 3,500, 4,000 people, you know, uh, my graduating class had like 88 people in it. So it was a small school, but, uh, odd, surprisingly, there was a real current of music that went through that, that town in the form of like older kids. So like when I was like in junior high, there were some like really good high school players and they were into, uh, pretty, you know, more advanced stuff, you know. So it's like I got exposed to things like Yes and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. And uh, I'll tell you what really turned the tide for me was when I was a freshman in high school and somebody played me Tower of Power. And, you know, I remember it like it was yesterday, hearing Squib Cakes for the first time, and I was like, what is that? Like, you know, I didn't know who Charlie Parker was till I got to college, you know. And that's back in the day when, you know, if you didn't know some, if somebody didn't tell you, you didn't know. If someone didn't tell you John Coltrane existed, you didn't know John Coltrane existed. There was no way to, for you to be exposed to it. You know, maybe there was a local radio station in Omaha that played jazz, but you know, back in that day, it was, they were playing a lot of fusion and that kind of stuff, you know. So I didn't hear real jazz till I got to college, but I was into music that was a little more advanced and challenging, you know, when I was in high school. So then when I went to college, I went to the University of Iowa, which has a very good jazz school. It did back then, and it really does now. It's an excellent school for music. Uh, I learned very quickly that I didn't know anything. Uh, I had no idea how to read a lead sheet. I didn't know. I mean, I really got my, got my young butt handed to me at the first jazz band audition because I realized, oh, okay, I don't know a thing about this, but I really dived into it. And I was a piano player, of course. I didn't know a thing about the organ back then. Because back then, the organ was very out. It was not, you know, it it was not an instrument that was at all in vogue. You know, the only time I ever really heard a Hammond organ was either listening to classic rock or seeing Paul Schaefer on the David Letterman show, 
you know, play Hammond all the time. But I loved that sound. But I knew nothing about it, and I was concentrating on piano. So, of course, I got into Bill Evans and Herbie and McCoy, you know, all the usual suspects and Chick and everything like that, and really studied jazz piano and got to a, you know, certain level of proficiency. Um, but I always loved the organ. And sometime in my 20s, I finally bought a B3. And uh, I had I had to set about because at that time you got to remember early '90s, early mid '90s, Joey DeFrancesco came along, and Joey DeFrancesco really brought the organ back. I don't think there's too many players of any instrument where you can say that they made their instrument relevant again. But Joey D came along and like showed everybody reminded everybody how great the Hammond organ was and also showed what it's capable of because Joy was taking things to a totally different level. And so there's a lot of people like myself who heard him early on and thought, okay, I like that direction. I like that sound. How do I figure that out? And so, like I said, I, I bought a B3 and uh, this is back in the days of like AOL chat boards and stuff, you know. So once that stuff came along, because the Hammond organ is used to be sort of a dark art. You know, if you didn't have somebody even show you how to turn the thing on, you couldn't even turn it on. You know, it, it, it isn't even simple to turn the thing on, let alone set the drawbars, get the settings, figure out how to run everything. I mean, if you didn't know someone who played organ, you weren't going to play organ. You know, unless you grew up in a church and somebody showed you or you knew a guy who could tell you stuff. Well, fortunately, with, you know, when when the Internet came along, this kind of information started to become a little more out in the open. And I got uh, I got hooked up. I I, I was befriended by a guy online uh, named Sal Azarelli, who was an amazing guru of the organ. He was a player. He was a good player, but he didn't play as much as he was a tech, and he was a historian. And Sal was one of those guys that could take a Hamlin organ, uh, you know, apart down to the wires and rebuild it. He was one of those guys. I mean, talk about finding a resource. I mean, it was just an absolute blessing to become friends with Sal, and he sort of took me under his wing. And I always tell this story about because in this trio, in a Hammond organ trio, there is no bass player. I'm doing everything with my left hand and my foot. So that's kind of what makes SRT different than a lot of other bands, is there's no bass player. And, uh, you know, but that's the tradition in, in a Hammond organ trio. But since we're doing a lot of different kind of more, more funky rock stuff, it is a little different, you know. I think it's a little special. And um, but back then, I had no idea. You know, I was a piano player. I comped with my left hand. I didn't play stride. I didn't play a lot of bass lines because that's the bass player's job in the jazz trio or in the jazz quartet, right? You know, I was told, stay out of that area. You know, anything below the S in Steinway belongs to the bass player, you know. So I remember saying to Sal, I was like, Sal, how do I – Sal was Joey DeFrancesco's organ tech, so he and Joey were very close. So I was getting, like, you know, information, almost, you know, like directly from the source, you know. And I said, Sal, how do I how do I even start to play bass lines like Joey does? I don't have any idea how to do that. I comp with my left hand. I don't know how to play bass. And the best advice I ever got from Sal was he said, 
He goes, okay, I want you to take your right hand and sit on it for six weeks and don't touch the organ with your right hand. And with your left hand, I want you to learn to walk an F jazz blues bass line. Don't try to solo. Don't try to comp chords. Just walk an F blues for six weeks. And at the end of six weeks, I want you to be able to walk an F blues bass line and tell me a joke at the same time. And so that's what I did. And it worked. What he was teaching me was that that was your left hand has to really be able to kind of go on autopilot. I'm not playing the same patterns over and over. At first I was. At first I figured out one pattern to get through a blues, you know. But now it's not like that. But what he was teaching me was that you have to have some left-hand independence because the joke that you're telling at the same time, that's your solo. That's your comping. That's everything you're doing with your right hand is that joke. So I need to be able to have my left hand going on its own while I was able to freely think and uh, you know, talk or solo with another part of my brain. So that was what started the journey. So after that, once I, get, once I was able to do that, I just opened the real book and started working through standards. Just, you know, page after page, just, you know, Stella by Starlight, and Turn Out the Stars, and, you know, Have You Met Miss Jones, and just going through all the standards and learning how to do that, uh, learning how to not, re- to not rely on a bass player and to make, it, make the bass player be me. So out of all of these roads that you've been down and everything that you've done, everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, and fans, but ultimately you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? <laughs> wow. You know, I, it, it took a long time to get to the point where I – and just, just now, really, in just the last few years. And I'll, 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 I'll play something. I'll be very honest with you. What really helped me in the last five or six years is I started to see a therapist. Because one thing that musicians deal with, I think almost universally, is that we are very self-critical. We are, ve- we are our own worst critics, and nobody thinks we sound as bad as we think we sound. And so seeing a therapist helped me work through some of that and to realize that I was not seeing myself or my playing or hearing myself in a fair way, you know, uh, you know, uh, and so that really helped me to start to realize, okay, uh, I do have my own voice. I sometimes, it's fun. It's sometimes hard to find, you know, because you're very, you're, you're walking in the footsteps of giants, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to sound like Joey D or Jimmy Smith, or if you play piano, McCoy, Herbie Chick. I mean, there's just a whole lineage of amazing musicians. But it's taking all of those things and filtering them through your own personality and your own playing that eventually you come out. So I really feel like getting into this, this, this trio has kind of been one of the final pieces of the puzzle to be like, okay, this is who I am. I am I'm able to play a variety of styles on the Hammond organ. You know, I can swing straight ahead. I can do standards. I can do modern jazz. I've played with some amazing cats who write, 
you know, really modern stuff. And I'm able to do that, but I'm also able to do this funky thing uh, with SRT. You know, it's like I'm really starting to just find my lane and feel like, you know, I mean, there's always players that I look up to and think, oh, I'll never be as great as this guy or, you know, but I, I feel like I can at least, that I can sit at the table, that, you know, that I'm, that I've got something to say, you know, that I can play. And, and, you know, that's, a, that's something maybe I couldn't have said to you five years ago or six years ago before I started seeing a therapist, I'd have been like, Oh no, you know, so there's, there's really something to be said for that kind of, you know, that, that kind of self, uh, introspection that is led by someone who can help you walk through stuff. I don't know if that's an answer to your question or not, but you know, yeah, no, that's a good, that's I a feel, good answer. That, that, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. And that delves in a little deeper than what I was looking at. No, that's, that's great. I'm curious, where's the best place for anybody to find out about picking this album up in the right place and anything live shows, anything related to you? Well, the album will come out on September 8th, so uh, it'll be released nationwide and all that. It's already out in Japan. We put we we partnered with a record label called P-Vine in Japan, and they put the record out in June, right before we did a week tour of Japan. Uh, SRT went over and did the Billboard Live Clubs in Osaka, Yokohama, and Tokyo, and this is a really cool thing. They had they still have Tower Records over in in Japan. We don't have those here anymore, but those used to be, you know, the the uh, the mecca of finding records back in the day. But they still have Tower Records over in Japan, and they had a, a huge display of SRT in uh, the Tower Records over there. So the three of us went out there and you know got our pictures taken with the display. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but the record comes out on uh, September 8th. Uh, you can find information about SRT at srtgroove.com. Cool. So that's where you'll find Perfect. information about us. You can, we, have, we have an SRT page up on YouTube. Uh, we're, of course, on Instagram and Facebook. So you can find out stuff about us on the usual, you know, the usual avenues. Cool. Cool. Mitch, this has been great. Thank you so much for opening up. You bet, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening and tuning into another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in L.A., New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Mitch for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, you can find Neon Jazz interviews on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.